The Department of Veterans Affairs is the single largest employer of physician assistants with over 1,600 PAs. The current PA leadership is a physician assistant advisor and is a part-time field position. This has led to the confusion and underutilization of the physician assistant role within the VA. Without a full-time PA director position in the VA central office, the VA is missing a clear opportunity to improve the quality of health care for our veterans and is in danger of losing its PA workforce. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is physician assistant Dr. Tom Zimpiri. Tom is the Director of Government Relations for the Blinded Veterans Association and past president of the Veterans Affairs Physician Assistant Association. Tom spent 19 years as a PA within the Department of Veterans Affairs, and during that time, he played a fundamental role in the development and advancement of physician assistants. We are happy to have him here today to discuss physician assistants in the VA system and the need for PA leadership. Hi, Tom. Welcome to ReachMD. Hi, Lisa. Well, Tom, let's start talking about the early years of working as a PA in the Department of Veterans Affairs. How many PAs were working in the system back then, and how has the utilization of PAs changed? Actually, I'm not one of the original PAs, but I started in the VA system in 1983, which was fairly early in the system, had at that time probably only about 600 approximately physicians' assistants. Although the Department of Veterans Affairs started hiring physicians' assistants actually as early as like 1969 when the occupation was first getting started and it has seen a steady growth in the numbers of physicians assistants employed over the years. Are they utilized the same way today as they were then? No, I think it's changed back in the early 1970s and very early 1980s, most of the physician's assistants were primarily used in uh, primary care and general medicine outpatient clinics. And much like the occupation has evolved over the last 30 years in the private sector, the VA now utilizes physician's assistants in over 30 different specialties both medical specialties, surgical specialties, geriatrics, and long-term care. Yeah, just like the private sector. Yeah, same peril. So, Tom, the stories of your unrelenting efforts in lobbying for physician assistance has become legendary. I've heard them through my years as well. And the alliances that you built and the pressures that you put on the VA central office all played a key role in the advancement of PAs within the VA. But with the growth of PAs came the need for PA leadership. Can you tell us about the PA advisor role passed by Congress in 2000? Yes, uh, Lisa. What happened was in the 1980s and even in the early 1990s, I think we tried to approach individual problems, whether it was a clinical practice issue or a personnel employment issue or any number of different things, educational support as a single issue. And eventually, by the time we got up to about 900 physicians' assistants, by 1990, we realized, and I think Congress 
began to put pressure on the VA and tell them, you need to have an occupational representative who is the best at being able to resolve issues and come up with plans and policy development for the occupation. And so throughout the 1990s, basically for about eight years, the VA experimented with the, oh, they called it a multidisciplinary practice advisory council, and they tried a physician assistant field advisory group where they had four PAs on a, this advisory group, and they would have conference calls like once every few months. It just, you know, didn't work. And so... In 1998-1999, working with the American Academy of Physicians Assistants and with many of the state chapter organizations and also with the veteran service organizations here in Washington, D.C., we started to push Congress to actually legislatively create a physician assistant advisor position. So, Lisa, that kind of is led up to where we were in 2000 when the law passed. So they implemented this role and this PA advisor working in the field who wasn't working in central office, so wasn't involved in a lot of the meetings, decision makings, et cetera. And that's been going on since 2000. Is that right? Correct. In fact, it was sort of ironic when the legislation actually passed. It was Senator Rockefeller from West Virginia who was a strong supporter of the utilization of physicians' assistance. I think he appreciated the important role that PAs have in his state in rural health care, and he thought it was important. And he thought that if you had a PA advisor position legislated that the person would uh, be able to participate in the decision-making process here in Washington, D.C., and what happened was we quickly realized that having an individual out at a medical center trying to see patients part-time and trying to do all of these clinical policies and employment regulations and and all that educational affiliations and agreements and all that things would be impossible, and it turned out that it really was. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with physician assistant Dr. Tom Zimpuri. Tom is the Director of Government Relations for the Blinded Veterans Association and past president of the Veterans Affairs Physician Assistant Association. And we're discussing physician assistance in the VA system and the need for PA leadership. So, Tom, help me understand something. Why do so many parties in the federal government need to be involved in the decision for a full-time PA director? And why is it taking nine years and counting for PAs to have a voice in the VA? I think the process up here in Washington, (laughs) D.C. is always an interesting one. When you're trying to understand how bureaucracies react to different things, you know, it's always of interest, even when I was working as a PA clinically and I would come into Washington, D.C. just for a few days 
and go up and meet with members of Congress and then leave town and wonder what was going on. I think what happened was it was clearly the sense of Congress, even back in 2000, that the VA utilizes individual appropriately for the large numbers of physicians' assistants that were being employed in a variety of different specialties. And for a variety of reasons, they didn't. And they kept writing to Congress over that time period saying, well, you know, we invite the person in, he comes to a meeting, you know, he brings in his thoughts, and we're satisfied with that. And I think what happened was slowly, as timelines for getting specific things done came and went and were not met, Congress began to realize that the like the other occupations that have full-time directors here in Washington, D.C., this one occupation should also have a full-time person here. Sort of ironic, too, I might mention that, you know, about 30% of VA-employed physicians' assistants are also veterans. Right. So in 2000, we get this part-time person, and it's been status quo ever since. Let's move to recent. There was some good news with the passing of H.R. 2790 in the House of Representatives. What is that? What does it mean? Yes, I'm glad you brought it up. Actually, in the 110th Congress, uh, H.R. 2790 passed, but there was no companion bill on the Senate side. And so in the 111th Congress, Congressman Phil Hare introduced H.R. 1302, which was the same bill as H.R. 2790, and it had broad support on the House side and actually passed at the end of June. And this spring, there was two senators who introduced Senate Bill 1155, and it's the companion for the first time to the House bill. And it currently is in the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, which has jurisdiction on on that bill. And we're hoping that between now and when Congress finishes, that they will vote on S-1155, and then the two bills will merge. And uh, hopefully we will have this physician assistant director position be full-time here in Washington, D.C. Well, it's a good thing that I don't have to go through Senate to get my job. <laughs> um, so so what can PAs do, and every medical professional who's interested in seeing the PAs appropriately represented in the VA, what can we do to help pass this bill through the Senate? There are six sponsors, right, co-sponsors right now, but I think just contacting either one of your two state senators and asking them to become a co-sponsor of S-1155 would help and make the point that it's important when you have this large of an occupation with almost 1,800 physicians' assistants now that they have a person that's going to make sure that they establish cost-effective you know, utilization standards and that uh, PAs are involved in the current role in regards to educational programs that the VA has for, you know, 
allied health occupations. Yeah, can we talk about that a little bit? Because I do want to point out some of the things so that people understand what happens when you don't have representation. I'd like to bring that up regarding that PAs are excluded from recruitment and retention efforts, benefits. Can you explain why that's happening? And Lisa, that's a, one of the actually things that's driven this is best example is there's a big demand for clinical rotation sites for PA students. For example, some of your audience that deal with students know that the PA programs have a hard time finding a variety of different types of clinical sites for their students. And yet the VA's been slow at reaching out and doing academic affiliation agreements. Even though the VA trains about 50% of all the interns and medical students in this country rotate through VA hospitals for part of their training. And so the reason that this gets neglected is there's no one person in the VA headquarters that's responsible for just physician assistant issues. And with recruitment and retention problems growing, For example, the employment standards that are utilized for physician's assistants, the last time they were written or rewritten was 1991. (laughs) Those have been stuck in the process actually since 2002 when the PA advisor position uh, was first created and the field-based person started trying to get those changed and Mm -hmm. still hasn't. Yeah, there definitely needs to be a voice. I know that about 40% of all of the VA PAs are set to retire. And without some retention and strength, a, a lot of PAs aren't looking there. And I also know that there's been a lot of confusion that's led to the restriction of PA practice. And in some cases, the refusal to hire PAs or PAs to write prescriptions or what practice privileges they have from state to state. So we definitely need to hear that voice. And Thank you, Tom, for coming on the show, and we want to remind everyone to call your state senator, Senate Bill 1155, to help give PAs a full-time director and help guide the care for our veterans moving forward in the future. And thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and see us on Facebook. And thanks for listening.